Let me tell you one core characteristic about Jim. Jim would give you the shirt off his back. It's a common phrase, and it's not usually meant to be literal, like Jim didn't actually ever give anyone the shirt off his back, but he would give you anything of his if he thought it would serve or benefit you. He would go without so that you wouldn't have to. As a pastor, I have officiated over dozens of funerals. And one common thread, which something which family members say about their loved one often, is that this person would have given you the shirt off their backs. And it's an incredible thing to have someone say about you. Now, Jim is, is no one in particular, but, but I can't tell you how often I've heard people like Jim described in that way. It has recently made me wonder, what would people say about me? Like, would they say, man, that, that Nathan guy, man, he, he'd give you the shirt off his back. How many of you would be described that way by your friends or family? Would your coworkers or, or casual acquaintances say those things about you? I'll be honest with you. I don't know if people would describe me in that way. And maybe you're like me. Um, maybe we'd say, like, I, well, I'd be happy to, to pitch in towards something if I can afford it. I'd be willing to help someone if I don't have to go too far out of my way. Like, I'd be happy to, to give to someone if I thought they really needed it. I'd be willing to serve, or I'd look for or assume someone else stepped in instead. And I'd love to be generous if I trusted the outcome would match my agenda. Nathan would give you the shirt off his back. Well, it depends on the shirt, on the season, and the person involved. And that's probably a lot truer than I'd like to admit. The bigger question really is this, am I generous? Is generosity a core value in my life? The reason this is an important question for us to answer is because if generosity is core to me, I should know how real generosity plays out according to Jesus and who benefits from it. And if it's not, I need to understand the implications. What's core for our White Oak Church family should also be core for each one of us. So here's our big idea today. Together, we pour ourselves out. So let's follow Jim's story. Now, Jim's a busy guy. He, he works hard during the day and he works hard to see that his, his family has everything he's always dreamed for them to have. He enjoys some simple pleasures on the weekends and he runs around like a chicken with his head cut off often. Now, so understand that Jim believes in God and, and truthfully, he'd like to be closer to him. He's not perfect. In fact, Jim's made a lot of mistakes just like you and me. His own rules guide his life only slightly more than does his trust in God. Like Jim doesn't consider himself to be rich, but he has enough money to feel okay about where he is. He's got some debt that ties him down a bit, but everybody has debt, right? Now Jim isn't lazy and he would never consider himself selfish. He helps when he can. And he doesn't often have a ton of free time to just toss at whatever thing comes his way, which may ask for his attention. Jim has a, a set of values 
and priorities. And, and whether consciously or, or unconsciously, he aims his life and his resources at those things. But understand this, Jim also, this day, has a dilemma. And truth be told, he has these opportunities pass him by every day. Now, he's usually oblivious to them or to their potential impact, but there's something about this particular decision which grabs his attention. Now, it could be that he's challenged to give away something that he wants to hold on to. Or it could be something that will take more of his time than he's really comfortable giving. It could be a, a commitment that's going to cost him resources that, that, that he doesn't believe he has. Or the person on the receiving end may be a friend, or, or it could be a complete stranger. See, we don't have to really understand or know the details about the dilemma Jim faces, because you and I have been there before, and we'll be there today, and we'll be there the day after that. You see, we understand Jim's dilemma really well. When Jesus talked about Jim's dilemma, he always talked about it in the same way. Like Jesus never pulled any punches when he, when he talked about the value of generosity. In fact, generosity was at the core of Jesus' ministry. I mean, look at what Matthew records him saying in Matthew chapter 20. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's Matthew 20, verse 28. Get this, Jesus' entire purpose for leaving his throne in heaven and mingling with us messed up human beings was to serve and to give to us. And this idea must have really stood out to Matthew because look at what he records Jesus saying here. He says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. And that's Matthew chapter 5, 42. And then uh, again, he says this, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you surely will be rewarded. Matthew 10, 42. As Jesus was equipping his disciples for ministry and sending them out to, to do it, he gave them these instructions. Listen to this. He says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Together we pour ourselves out. But what does that really mean? Why did Jesus seem to be obsessed with generosity? Well, I want to look at that with you today. So let's establish a, a definition of generosity that makes practical sense in the context in which Jesus spoke, it, spoke about it. Generosity is this, a pouring out from what you have received, trusting God to use it for his glory. It's a pouring out from what you have received, trusting God to use it for his glory. See, here at White Oak, we have a, a, a way to phrase the mission which Jesus left us with. And we say this, this is our mission connecting people to full life in Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can lead us to a full and lasting life. He's the only way for us to connect with our Heavenly Father, receive His grace, and live forever with Him. And God gets all the credit there. He did all the giving. He did all the saving. And we do the receiving. Jesus came to serve and to give His life 
for us. So he gets all the glory, he gets all the honor, and he gets all the praise. God is the recipient, therefore, of our generosity. Generosity comes as a response to who he is. Our generosity amplifies his glory back to him and all around us. Now that can seem a bit overwhelming, and we don't usually like to think about it or talk about it in that way. So Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He gives us this map to help us orient ourselves along the path. If God is the recipient of our generosity, how does that play out as a core value in my life? Well, Jesus tells his disciples what to do. Then the first thing he said there is announce. He says, use your words poured out to tell others that Jesus is the way to full life. So generosity asks us to speak about Jesus's impact on our lives with other people. Renounce it, speak it. To be generous with our words is one of the hardest, most impactful things a follower of Jesus can do. So ladies, you can praise qualities which you see in one another, which reflects God's character. And we're not talking about gossip or, or judgment or accolades for your friends for their accomplishments or performances. We're talking about you pointing out to your girlfriends how God's characteristics are being shown in their lives. Your words matter. Lifting others' eyes up from their circumstances and helping them focus on who Jesus is and what he's done. Now, that's generosity poured out. Now, men, we can do this too. We're not always great at using our words to praise one another. We don't usually say, man, I love the way your heart really shined when you prayed for Sam and Life Group the other day. I really saw the tenderness of Jesus in you. All right, we wouldn't say it that way. But men, we can acknowledge strength and we do this a lot. We don't have a problem doing it in, in, in sports or at work or whenever we see another guy winning at something. We can acknowledge strength all day long. So generosity of your words could look like this, man, thanks for praying for Sam. Uh, that took a lot of guts. I'll bet he really appreciated it. You see, announcing Jesus isn't about just standing at a podium with a microphone preaching. It's about sharing with others how Jesus has impacted your life, giving them a glimpse as to how he can do that in theirs as well. Pour out generosity through your words. Now, here's the second thing Jesus told his disciples. He said, go and heal. Generosity means your strength is poured out to meet the needs of others. So Jesus sends out his followers to do some miraculous things. And you and I may not do those same things, but why can't we do something like them or even more through the power of God's Holy Spirit in us? So you see the needs of people around you and you think about, you and I think about how can I meet them? And this is something which must be practiced in order to grow in it. And consider the difference between helping someone and serving someone and you'll begin to see your attitude and your heart change. When the chance to help someone comes up, don't immediately think of all the reasons why you can't help them. Instead, think of what it would take. What can you give up in order for you to get involved? Our busy schedules don't need to be filled on a first come, first serve basis. They can, however, be filled with the right priorities. Author and pastor Francis Chan actually says this. He says, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Pour out 
generosity through hands of healing. This is how generosity plays out in your life and mine as we trust God to develop it as a core value in our lives. And then Jesus um, tacks this on. He says, give freely as you have received. So announce and heal and give. Generosity is an indicator of those who have received from God. So Jesus is so good, and he offers us his grace heaped with more grace on top of it. It's like he gave you the shirt off his back, and then he just offered you his entire wardrobe as well. And you don't, in in fact, you and I can't do anything to deserve it or to get more of it. It's yours to the fullest measure God gives. We give of our resources because all we have is God's, and it's simply on loan to us. We pour out our financial resources because God asks us to trust him and depend on him to take care of our needs. We give not from what we have left over, but from what we started with. To live generously is to elevate the goodness of God and to shine as evidence of our redemption, pointing to others his grace. We have received, therefore we give. Together, we pour ourselves out. Announce, use your words, heal, use your hands, and give of your resources. I love that Jesus gives his followers this map to follow in order that we learn to value the things he values. So let's pick up Jim's story. We know about Jim, and we know he has these opportunities, right, daily to pour himself out. He could choose to use his words to announce the life-giving truth about Jesus to someone in his life. He can use his hands to serve and heal a need someone around him has. He could give his resources, trusting God to fuel the mission of Jesus of connecting people to full life. So what does Jim choose to do in this story? Well, Matthew, Jesus' disciple who wrote the narrative of Jesus' life in the Bible, it's the book of Matthew, right? He tells us what happens to Jim in this story. Only Jim isn't Jim in this story. Uh, He is a she, and she interrupts a dinner party that Jesus is attending and does something outrageous. Check this out. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Now notice what she does. She pours an anointing perfume over Jesus' head. And this perfume was so expensive that we're told it may have actually been worth a year's wages. Now that is a ridiculous act, bordered on, on, on the line of crazy, this act of generosity. 
But what she does isn't as fascinating as Jesus's reaction to her lavish act of generosity. And as far as I know, this unnamed woman is the only person mentioned in scripture where Jesus says that her story specifically will be told for ages to come in the future. I mean, seriously, we know less about several of Jesus's 12 disciples than what we're told of this woman's act right here. She poured it all out. She emptied the jar. And yes, she's criticized for her generosity. And I will tell you right now, when generosity becomes a core value of yours and your family, as White Oak leans into extravagant generosity where together we pour ourselves out, people won't understand it. And it won't make, say, it won't make sense to them sometimes. But also notice this, that she doesn't just pour herself out for the poor, directing her gift um, to an agenda as Jesus' disciples suggest would have been better. Instead, she freely gives for Jesus himself. She didn't qualify her gift. She didn't put parameters around it. She didn't give insisting on directing its outcome. And she didn't go halfway. Like she gave up something she valued for something she valued more. She simply poured out the jar for Jesus to receive all of the glory. And really, that's the crux of the issue before us. This is where Jim's story and this woman's story intersects our story. Only her story and ours are very much real. One of Jesus's core values to his ministry was generosity. He taught it. He modeled it. He went to the ultimate extreme of giving his life for us, and he expects generosity from those who would follow him. With God's great love driving and empowering us, we get to be part of crafting our stories. So what will your life story tell? Every one of us has a jar filled to the brim with resources aimed somewhere. Look at what Jesus says as Luke records it here. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. You see, we aren't promised more or flashy things when generosity is a core value to us, but we are promised that God will reward us he will fill us up with more depth of insight to his provision and knowledge of his generous love and care for us. He will fill us to an overflowing and we'll spill out again and again, emptying the jar for him and for the sake of others. That's generosity and that is full life in Jesus to do in this story. Well, Matthew, Jesus' disciple who wrote the narrative of Jesus' life in the Bible, it's the book of Matthew, right? He tells us what happens to Jim in this story. Only Jim isn't Jim in this story. Uh, he is a she. And she interrupts a dinner party that Jesus is attending and does something outrageous. Check this out. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it 
over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Now notice what she does. She pours an anointing perfume over Jesus's head. And this perfume was so expensive that we're told it may have actually been worth a year's wages. Now that is a ridiculous act, bordered on, on the line of crazy, this act of generosity. But what she does isn't as fascinating as Jesus's reaction to her lavish act of generosity. And as far as I know, this unnamed woman is the only person mentioned in scripture where Jesus says that her story specifically will be told for ages to come in the future. I mean, seriously, we know less about several of Jesus's 12 disciples than what we're told of this woman's act right here. She poured it all out. She emptied the jar. And yes, she's criticized for her generosity. And I will tell you right now, when generosity becomes a core value of yours and your family, as White Oak leans into extravagant generosity where together we pour ourselves out, people won't understand it. And it won't make, say, it won't make sense to them sometimes. But also notice this, that she doesn't just pour herself out for the poor, directing her gift um, to an agenda as Jesus' disciples suggest would have been better. Instead, she freely gives for Jesus himself. She didn't qualify her gift. She didn't put parameters around it. She didn't give insisting on directing its outcome. And she didn't go halfway. Like she gave up something she valued for something she valued more. She simply poured out the jar for Jesus to receive all of the glory. And really, that's the crux of the issue before us. This is where Jim's story and this woman's story intersects our story. Only her story and ours are very much real. One of Jesus's core values to his ministry was generosity. He taught it. He modeled it. He went to the ultimate extreme of giving his life for us, and he expects generosity from those who would follow him. With God's great love driving and empowering us, we get to be part of crafting our stories. So what will your life story tell? Every one of us has a jar filled to the brim with resources aimed somewhere. Look at what Jesus says as Luke records it here. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. You see, we aren't promised more or flashy things when generosity is a core value to us, but we are promised that God will reward us he will fill us up with more depth of insight to his provision and knowledge of his generous love and care for us. 
He will fill us to an overflowing and we'll spill out again and again, emptying the jar for him and for the sake of others. That's generosity and that is full life in Jesus. The value of generosity is key to our faith journey and to White Oak's ministry impact. Like, I want people to be able to say something about my generosity someday. And I don't want it to be the fact that I would give you the shirt off my back because I don't want to get the credit for that. I want my kids and my church family to look at what I valued and not think a thing about me. I want them to praise my Heavenly Father. I want them to see a glimpse, however imperfect and messed up it is, of God's love shining through me. I want my story and White Oak's story to say that. And I want you, you're joining, if you're joining us online today, I want you to be a part of that story with me. I invite you to. So here is our action step for today. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior and your King and made the choice to be baptized into His generous, awesome name, letting His gracious wash over you as you place your faith in Him, I want you to email me, nhinkle at thewocc.com, and I will get back to you and we'll chat about that. For the rest of us, I want you to consider what you can give more regularly than you do now. Begin a habit of giving more in one area of your life. Be generous in a way that gives God the glory and points others towards His goodness. Practice this with intentionality. Watch and see God pour into your life as you empty the jar. Together, we pour ourselves out.